welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Grab your Bibles, but turn to somebody and tell them the secret to life is being unbalanced. Unbalanced. Now grab your Bibles. Let's get into the Word of God. We're going to continue our series. Matthew chapter 4. And while you're turning to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. And if you have notes, please bring your notes. Please bring something to write with. And sometimes I say some things that even I didn't even put in my notes that God just wants to convey to you. And I think it's good to write those things down. While you're turning there and while they're putting it up on the screen, I think it's there already. I do want to welcome all of our first-time guests. If you started coming for the last couple of weeks or you've been here this past month, this is your new to covenant, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand if that's you. Turn around to somebody, shake their hand, and tell them, thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're here and happy that you decided to have church with us today. More than that, we're happy that Jesus shows up, right? I wouldn't come to church if Jesus didn't show up. I don't know how you feel about it. I do want to convey some words to you uh, and tell you that we did receive word from the lawyers and everything should be done paperwork-wise with the property this month. That's what the word is. That's what the word is. So, you know, we, we have a unique story about how God's dealt with us and how we do things. We learned a long time ago it's, it's about the people more than it is the building. We focus on people. Number one, we love people. Number two, we, we believe that Jesus is alive and that he does care about our lives. So therefore, we, we focus on being obedient and being sensitive to the Spirit of God and being obedient to the Word of God. Some people may call us crazy. Some people may not like how we do it. But I'm going to tell you, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being in love with Jesus Christ. There is nothing wrong with doing the right thing. People may ridicule you for that. People may separate you for that. But I promise you, in the end, when you hear those two words, well done, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do you love him this Sunday morning? I feel his presence in this house. If I I really wanted to, I could just go into praise and just go into worship. I feel his presence in this house. <laughs> I feel his presence in this house. Lift up your hands one more time and just kind of just gentle in the atmosphere. <laughs> Falling in love with you, God, is the best thing we've ever done in our life. We love you today, God. We appreciate you in this house. Tell him I love you, Lord. Just tell him I love you, Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love.
preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen then he said to them follow me and I will make you fishers of men and they immediately they left their nets and followed him Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately, about all, and they left the boat and their father, which was a hard thing to do, and followed him. Now, and Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. In this verse, if you look back, there is something significant about God calling his disciples in this moment. I want you to notice that God called his disciples or was soon to be apostles when they were working called them while they were working. He called them while they were busy, while they had their task in their hands. And they willingly, while they were working, dropped what they were doing to follow after him. I want you to think about that. What if God called you right in the middle of a job? And how would you respond to that? I think that when we are prepared in life and that we get um, to a place where we realize that what we are doing in our life at this moment is relevant to where we're going. Because in this portion of Scripture, he said, what you're doing now, if you go back and read in this Scripture, he said, what you're doing now, I'm going to show you how to do the same thing, except you're going to do it for me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I want to talk to you all this morning. I feel like this is a special message for the hardworking man and woman, for those of you that have jobs, own businesses, for those of you who are in a career, for those of you who don't understand why you're at where you're at, why you do what you do. I'm going to encourage you today and tell you that you are on assignment. God's put you there for a reason, and he's preparing you for your future. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to whose purpose? Whose purpose? Your purpose? Your neighbor's purpose? Your mama's purpose? His purpose. Say it. God bless this sermon today. God bless this lesson. Are you ready? Turn to someone and tell them the secret is being unbalanced. And you're ready to sit down. Go ahead. You may be seated. I love sharing something with you and sharing God's Word. Used to, years ago, I was more focused on creating hype and more focused on spitting on people because if you didn't get spat on, then you didn't go to church, right? We're here to make disciples, but the, tr the, the secret to that is that we don't make them, God does. We teach, we do what we have to do. But I find myself throughout the years, I find myself picking up attributes that I had when I was in the workplace. For years, I, when I first got married, for years, personally, I used to, I, have, I had a dream. I, my dream was to open up restaurants in, in Texas. That's what I wanted to do. I worked for the restaurant industry. I opened up restaurants. I worked at a, a five-star restaurant. I learned how to do that. And my wife and I would draw up logos, and I, I would at least. She would just endure them. She, she would look at them and always say, Oh, that looks so great, sweetheart. That looks so awesome. That just, she's such an encourager. And I'll know they didn't, but she thought they did. That's all that mattered. But we had dreams. Then God moved me to Victoria, and I, I always said to myself, I'm never moving back to Victoria. How many of you have said that before, and you're now here you are? Um, I found that whenever I was 
wanting to raise my children that Victoria was a great place to raise, raise children. We came back to Victoria. God led us back here, and I got into an industry in something called instrumentation. So I was an I&E technician for years for a generation plant, and I was also a licensed air-conditioned refrigeration technician. And I did that for years. Had a wonderful job. God blessed me. But I was on that job. I always questioned God and always asked him, why am I here? Because I knew the job, but I was the one who looked at the clock and said, I can't wait till it's quitting time. And I, I, until I finally realized my purpose, I started applying biblical principles on my job, and then I found how to tap into the blessings of God. I learned that they were literally paying me for an education. I want you to remember that. Whatever job you have right now, whatever you are doing, you are getting paid for an education more than you are for a service. The concept is, is that discipleship is the key. Everyone wants to be discipled, whether we know it or not, because everyone wants to learn. I've said it a hundred times. We can't wait to get out and graduate from high school, but then we pay somebody to let us back into school again. Doesn't make any sense. But it does when you understand the human nature of who we are. We understand what Warren Buffett said, that the more you learn, the more you earn. The Holy Ghost teaches us all things also. And so life is an education. And when you look at it from that perspective, then you understand God knows what he's doing. For these men in the scripture, when God called them, he called them while they were doing their jobs. He called them into a ministry of discipleship to learn again. Learn a new trade. Or let me rephrase that. Learn the same trade in a different way. To learn how now to be fishers of men. This time they wouldn't be fishing with nets. They would be using networks and nets work. They would network with people. This time the bait would be the gifts of God, the fruits of the Spirit, the love of God, and they would get hooked on Jesus. It was a new concept when they had that big one. You ever had that big one before? They would learn how to keep Jesus lifted high and just keep rolling slowly, not to lose him, with love and patience. To make sure that the main thing they have in their heart is Jesus, not us. A whole new concept. But God called them because they were busy because they were working, because they knew what to do. We have to recognize a few points in this. The point is, is that wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, there's something in it that can be applied to God's purpose in your life. And you'll always have it if you learn that it's God who put you there. It's God that allowed you to be there. You applied for the job. They said yes. There's somebody else's signature on that check. But ultimately, your boss was a carpenter. Your boss is God. You work for him. Whatever you do. We become so unbalanced because we try to, in our minds, we think, I want to do so much for God sometimes. And not, maybe not everybody, but there are some of you that feel like you have ministry in your life or you have a purpose in your life that's greater than what you're doing now. And so you get this feeling that I want to just do and quit this and go completely full-time. Well, that doesn't happen that way. Didn't happen for me. May have happened for a few that were out there that had an opportunity or knew people or understood, but that wasn't for me. For the first three years when we started this church, the first three years, we never took a paycheck. We gave everything to God, worked a full-time job while doing ministry until God said, now cast your net. But it wasn't until I understood the concept that God was in the boat and he was operating it. 
and everything now I feel like that I've learned in the past, I'm applying now and then some. But the preparation stage for where I was going, I couldn't bypass the process. Your process is more important because it brings you to your promise. Your process is so important because it brings you to the promise. The process in life, the development, the education. There's a reason why you work with those difficult people. You can call them sandpaper saints or just sandpaper because they're going to rock, they're going to knock all the rough edges off of your life. There's a reason why business owners that you have that difficult employee because they're teaching you they're going to make you a better boss. There's a reason why you are you are connected, and, and, and let me just say this to you. We, we can pick our friends, but we can't pick our family. There's a reason why you were born into that family. They're going to help you become a great Christian and be a great example. Many times God calls busy people to get things done for him. Have you ever noticed the only person that God called was Nathan, who was under the tree, and God saw him and said, there's a man with no guile? He was the only one, but God saw his heart. And so now... God is developing all these people, but he sees the heart of men. Ultimately, he sees their spirit. But God always, majority of the time, you look in the scripture, God has always chosen people who were, prior, who, who were busy, who produced fruit in their life for whatever they were doing. They were disciplined. They were, they were business people. They were professionals. He picked all walks of life, but he picked busy people to get things done. The best thing you can do with where you're at to see God move is to whatever you do, do it with all of your heart, all of your mind, all your strength as unto God. Because God will anoint you where you're at. He will use you right where you're at. They walked away completely. When they traveled, and here's what, here's what I believe. I don't think that Peter completely walked away from what he knew because, just a question, but Whose boat do you think they used when they went across the sea? Who do you think caught the fish for the group when they were around the campfire? <laughs> Just something to think about. Who do you think helped them with, with some of the finances when they did come in because Matthew was called from collecting taxes? Right? Matthew had to make a transition. God called Matthew while he was a tax collector, but Matthew had to learn how now to to, to transfer from keeping accounts to keeping an account of lost souls. He had to learn that. Luke had to learn how to transfer from being a physician to also understand how God heals, how God works. Every one of them were going to be in a position where they would have to learn a new way of God's doing things. There are some similarities but God has allowed you to go through life the way you have. You were uniquely designed, and nothing was by accident. You were perfectly and wonderfully made. Every problem you've ever had in your life was there to develop you. Every process that you have ever been through, hard times and good times, were there to establish your faith. There is no accidents with God. There are no coincidences with God. There is nothing Nothing in your life that you can actually point at and say um, that, you know what, God can't use that. No, no, no. God can use everything. I don't understand why I went through what I went through. Well, hold on a second. Look at your life and find out how much your faith grew in that moment. You probably prayed more than you ever have prayed in your life. You probably fasted for the first time you ever fasted during that moment because all things work together for good. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're right where you need to be right now. You're right where you need to be right now. God uses productive people. God uses productive people. He wants to know 
if you can produce. And if you don't, he teaches you how by planting you. And you need to be rooted where you're planted and then produce. And then when you start producing fruit, guess what happens then? He prunes you a little bit so you can produce more. Ultimately, God is looking for his return on investment. He's looking for his ROI. He's looking for his fruit. He's looking for what he produced. Listen, I don't know if you understand. I think you do. I don't want to sound condescending, but I, I think you do. There are gifts inside of you. There are, there are, there's an anointing inside of you. There is certain attributes inside of you that God gave you, not just for yourself, but to see your world changed. People need the gifts that are inside of you. People need those talents that God put inside of you. They weren't just meant just so you can get a paycheck. Come on, somebody. They weren't just meant so you can get to the place where you're thinking to yourself, I've arrived. I've got this nice house. I've got this nice car. And those are great. I'm glad you have them. But ultimately, you have to look at how many lives have been changed with what I can do. That's where God wants to bring us to, where it's not about the money. A man that can't be bought, a man that cannot be politicked, a person, a man or a woman who has nothing to lose, nothing to hide, and nothing to prove cannot be stopped. <laughs> cannot be stopped. When you don't do it for the money, you're doing it for your honey. I had to do a little rhyming in there. He's your number one love. He's the one that really cares about you. He's the one that knows your future. He's the one that understands why you were made, and he's just trying to help you figure it out. And so here we are. We try to wonder, how am I going to balance this? How am I going to balance work and, and God, and how can I balance church and, and God and family and all of this? Last week, we learned that when, you're in, when you are in love with Jesus, it is the best thing that has ever happened to us. When you're in love with him, then God will dictate, lead you with love. God will help you make the right decisions. God will go with you on the job. God will be with you in the workplace. He'll lead you. Lean not on your own understanding is what we learned last week, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He will direct your path. Are you being led by him? Some of the most effective leaders in the Bible had value before God used them. They had value before God used them. In, in life, it's not about knowing everything more than it is mastering that one thing you do good. In this life, it doesn't matter what you do. And if you're not careful, you, you know, Paul did say, become all things to all men. That means that he was long-suffering, and he loved everybody, and he knew how to comply to a different culture when he, when he was there. But Paul was a scholar. Paul had an education. He was also known as a tent maker. He was a businessman. But whatever he did, he did it well. He did it good. Focus on the strengths you have and let God deal with your weaknesses. And everybody that was in the scripture that was used were used because they had something in, your li in their life that they mastered. David was a warrior. David was a good shepherd. David was a good shepherd. Moses. Moses also was a shepherd at one point, but he also was raised in the house of Pharaoh. And he was educated. He had gone up in rank. Joseph, where Joseph was in his life, he produced where he was at. He did so well in prison, they put him over everyone in prison, gave him the keys. He could have walked out if he wanted to, but they trusted him. No matter where you're at, when you do your best, here's what happens. Ultimately, when God brought an opportunity, it looked like a problem. And when they were able to solve those problems, God took them to the next level because they were prepared. They didn't stop their worship. They didn't stop their prayer life. So, so the opportunity for Joseph was a bad dream. 
from Pharaoh. The opportunity for David was Goliath. The opportunity for Moses was Pharaoh and was a government and a power and an entity that defied God. And when that was up to full power, God says, now I have a challenge. Let me pick a man that I've been waiting for for a long time. He's prepared. He's ready. He's broken right now, but he's ready. It's all about preparation, folks. It is all about being unbalanced in God. Let me, let me define that. I don't believe in being balanced in God, and I'm not referring to the word and the spirit. I believe in having all of God. We explained this last week. Here's, here's God. Here's our, our personal life. I don't believe that we need to be, okay, here's my personal life, and, and I need to take care of this, and oh, but I'll just talk to God on Wednesdays. Oh, I'll just talk to God on Sundays. I believe it ought to be like this. And the more time you spend with God and the more you have him in your heart and the more you incline your heart to listen to his direction, the more productive this will be and the less time you have to spend there. That's what I'm referring to. Falling head over heels for Jesus Christ. Being in love with Jesus, ultimately loving him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And so when God found Peter and the apostles, they were disciples. They weren't apostles right away. They had to go through the process. But he chose them and he dealt with them based on their careers and how they were busy in that moment. Then he could apply them to there because everything they had done to that moment was nothing more than a preparation for their future. They would learn how to fish for men. They'd learn how to fish for men. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're making cakes. I don't care if you're a seamstress. Are there any more? Are there any seamstresses in the house? Anybody that does that full time? I don't care if you massage people for massage therapy. God wants to teach you how to heal people and how to lay hands on people so you can see results in your ministry because there is a ministry. There is something to that. I know we have doctors in the house. Some, what, if you're a doctor in this house, I want to encourage you that God called you to that profession because he wants you to learn how he operates as the great physician. At least the doctors ought to clap their hands or something like that. If there's any lawyers that are listening, any lawyers that are in the house, I want to encourage you and tell you that God, I believe, will teach you how to be, how he can be an advocate for those that are out of the circumstance and perimeter of safety, how he can stand and be the gap and the bridge between the sinner and the kingdom of God, where God knows how to stand in our defense, to be there in the time of trouble, to make a way when there seems to be no way, to give an answer when there are no answers, to give hope when there is no hope, to love when no one else would love. In the defense of the sinner, Jesus died for all humanity and said they are free. They're free. I'm talking about you. You're free. You're free. You're free. That ought to mean something to you. You have no debt. You've been forgiven by the grace and the mercy of God. The blood was shed for you and I. And here we are standing with the liberty and the grace to lift up our hands and say, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Do I have anybody? Is there anybody in this building that has ever been set free from drugs and alcohol? Is there anybody in this building that has ever been set free from addictions in your life? Give him some praise right now. Come on, give him some praise. Tell him, thank you, Jesus. So do you think it's a coincidence that Jesus was a carpenter before he was a minister? 30 years of his life of preparation, what did he do in those 30 years? He was a carpenter. Then listen to what he says in John chapter 14 and verse 2. Listen to what he says. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go 
to prepare a place for you. He was a builder. He said, I go and prepare a place for you. That's what he did. He was a builder. He knew the word. He was a scholar. He was a prophet. He was an apostle. He was an evangelist. He was a teacher. He was a pastor. But he was also a carpenter. And he knew how to build. And he was building his father's kingdom. At the age of 12, he walked into the synagogue. He talked to the scribes. He talked to the Pharisees. And they said, what kind of wisdom? Where did this young man get this wisdom from? He knew. He knew his assignment. And then they looked for him. And his mom, his earthly mother and his earthly father, they looked at him and said, where have you been? We've been looking for you for days. He looked at them and said, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. You know, if that was your child talking to you, the chocolate would have came off right away. <laughs> and I know. <laughs> but he said it with such authority in such a way where they understood This wasn't an ordinary child, but he knew from the beginning he had an assignment. He had an assignment. Colossians, here. Let me just say this. Let me say this before I bring Colossians is up there, but let me say this. Wherever you're at in life, whatever you're doing, whatever God has placed in your hands, you're not there by accident. You are there on an assignment. So do it with excellence. Do it with passion. Do it according to Colossians 3 and 17 that says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God through the Father, the Father through him. Whatever you're doing, do it with all of your heart. Many of us, many of us were taught in church that we need to keep church and work separate. Well, I do believe, you know, you don't, you're going there to provide, you're going there to provide a living for your family, right? But you know, God cares about that. And I don't believe you really were called to preach to everybody. That's why some of you can't keep a job. Oh, Lord, forgive me. I had that problem. Well, listen, there's wisdom. We justify it by, by being churchy. Well, bless God, I'm going to go into that church and I'm going to preach to everybody, pilgrim. I'm going to, God gave me this job. Yeah, that's good. But don't go tell everybody that. Prove it by being a good worker. Prove it by being a good employee. You don't have to keep God out of the job. Take God with you. Let me, let me explain this to you. God put you there for development and for training. You're getting paid to be educated. And God will show you through every circumstance. That you ever notice how God speaks to you? about your job and what you're doing and where you're at and what's going on in your life. You ever recognize that when you pray in the morning, God speaks to you because he's teaching you something. Point number one, I want to just give you one point today. Point number one, don't keep Jesus in a lunchbox. Don't keep Jesus in a lunchbox. When I used to go to work and I worked out in the field, I understand that the, the working man concept. I don't know if anybody has lunch boxes anymore. Some of you go out to eat, whatever it may be. The concept is, is that when I was going into the job, I always had my Bible in my lunch box. And so lunchtime came around, I would read my Bible. So I would fast sometimes. Sometimes in my in my lunch box was just water and apple in my Bible. And I thought. Because I'm doing that for what God's going to bless me. And God wanted to bless me. But I thought, that's all I got to do. And I have to be honest with you. As a young Christian, I just didn't know how to be a good employee. I wasn't giving it my best. I wasn't being a good employee, making good 
uh, for my time. But I was, I had Jesus in my lunchbox. And I take that Bible sometimes, that little pocket Bible. How many of you used to carry a little pocket Bible with you back in the day? That little pocket Bible right there. You know, you go back into the restroom and start reading the Bible, start praying in tongues. It's a small restroom, you know. <laughs> Have a little, a little victory march in the restroom by yourself. You walk out ready to go, and you didn't do any work, but you were focused on Jesus, and then they'd ask you, if you're a Christian, why don't you do this? And why are you always doing that? And it don't make any sense. Here's what you do. Here's the scripture, Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You mean God is in what I'm doing? Yes, God has a will, God has a purpose, God has a process for you. God is going to use that to give you an education for your future. When there is a promotion that's going to come into your life, God may bring a business into your life. And how you were an employee to that boss, I promise you this, you reap what you sow, God's going to give you the same kind of employees for your business. So be a good one. Okay, that didn't get a good response on that. I didn't. It's all right. This is what my pastors taught me. My pastors taught me this a long time ago. They said, how you treat me is how God will send people that will treat you the same because you would not escape the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is what a man sows, that will he also reap. So remember, in the season that you're in, be the best employee you can be because maybe one day God's going to give you your own business. Maybe God will give you a promotion where you're the boss next, and I promise you, you're going to want to refrain. You're, you're going to want to go back and reach, actually, and get some seeds from those that pass that you've reaped it and reap some things in that moment, and you will be able to. You have to make wise investments for the moment. But whatever you do, doing the will of God, in verse 6, verse 7, rendering rendering service with a good with a good will as to the lord not to man not to man knowing knowing here's the knowing part knowing that whatever good anyone does that he will receive back from the lord whether he is a bond or free you're going to get it back. It's going to come back to you. Do you remember when the, 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 the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan, when Jesus said, and he told the story, but he, he said that, that when he took him to the innkeeper and he said, he said, hey, the Samaritan said, I'm going to leave him here with you. And whatever expenses or tabs he runs in the modern-day vernacular, whatever he runs up, I will repay when I return. You remember that? I'm telling you, God will repay you. The reason why God will bless you, the reason why God blesses people is because they were good stewards of somebody else's business. That's the reason why God blesses people and enables them to do things, because they are good where they're at, and they've always done it as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord. There's no accident where you're at. Can I want me to teach you how to get a raise without asking for one? How to get a promotion without trying to politic? You go to work and know that you're working for Jesus. That's it. Plain and simple. This is a message for this church for this moment because God has called us to be people of influence. This We think many times that I believe in praying on the job. I used to get to work early. I used to pray in the offices, pray in the spirit. I used to pray it all the time for my coworkers. But then I realized that, that God would anoint me on the job just like he would in a prayer service. Where do you think the anointing is going to flow? This makes life more exciting. This understanding makes life more exciting. 
because we don't know where to release the anointing. We think that we have to create another prayer service or another church and work. That's really not how it's done. In your daily living, I don't care if it's with people that you're networking with that don't even live in the same state. God will abide by principle, and God will bless you with favor, and God will cause you to shine, and God will send people your way when you get to that job and just do it good as unto the Lord. He'll grant you favor. Favor. How many business owners do we have? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. If you own a business, raise your hand. You want to know how to see your business prosper? Here it is, the mindset. It's not your business. It belongs to God. You're just a manager of it. You're the manager. See, I know Spanish. You're a manager. Or you're the team leader. Yeah. <laughs> you, I'm not, you know what? I'm not the real pastor. Are you ready? I'm not the real pastor of this church. Ta-da. <laughs> I'm just a guest speaker. I'm just an assistant pastor. The real pastor is Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. I just fill in some space till the anointing hits me, and when it hits me, I just try to say what he said, so he's the real preacher. Uh, you know, it's the concept in your mind. It's a shift. I've become unbalanced. It's all about Jesus now, and that's a good thing. And that's, do you understand this, this sermon series? Somebody say, you got to be unbalanced. So there's, say this, there's nothing wrong. Say it again, there's nothing wrong when making it all about Jesus. It's all about him. Give him some honor right now. Come on, give him some honor. Thank you, Father. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you know what? I'm getting this. I'm going to put God first. I'm going to put God first. Let, let me, give me a second just to put this on the screen, my, my, my screen. I'm going to do something different. Some of you ask me what app I use. That's what I use. All right. Let, let me, let me kind of clarify some things for you. I'm going to do something different. I want to explain the transition here. I want to explain the transition. So, so David, David, right? David was called to be what? Tell me. David was called to be a king. And ultimately, in David's life, that was the goal. But what was David before? He was a shepherd. Then David became an armor bearer. Well, actually, before that, he became a, a minstrel. He became somebody that would play music for his leadership, the king. But everything David learned... In order to be a king, he learned in a field. He was not raised with the silver spoon in his mouth. Most people in life, I've found that the bigger the struggle they have when they're younger, the more successful they come when they're older. Never limit yourself because of how you're raised, what your environment was, who your daddy was, or how he treated you, who your mama was, or if she was there or even not there. It doesn't matter. Most millionaires and most billionaires were driven because they had struggles in their life. And it drove them to be better. Well, David came, and he was the last of his brothers. He was the youngest one, and he, wasn't, he was overlooked. He was overlooked. The only thing David had going for him was is that he was, you know, he was good-looking. He wasn't muscular. He wasn't stout and tall in structure and stature. He, he was just a young boy that knew how to love sheep and knew how to play an instrument really well, and he knew how to throw down. Is that, is that too plain? He knew how to war. He knew how to battle. He knew how to fight. And he took care of a lion and a bear because his heart was in it. He put his whole heart into shepherding those sheep that belonged to somebody else. They weren't his sheep. Watch this now. David 
was taking care of his father's sheep. And if he, his father was going to pass, if Jesse were to pass, David wasn't going to inherit it. The oldest son would. And David would have to take care of his older brother's sheep now. But David said, I've got a job to do. And I'm going to do it with all of my heart, all of my mind, and all of my strength. So when he faced a lion and a bear, he did it. But this is the irony of that. When David became a king, David made mistakes. He made mistakes, folks. David wasn't perfect. But do you remember when David messed up with Bathsheba? Do you remember when David messed up and he, he had Uriah killed? Do you remember when the prophet came to him and told him the story? What story did he use that he could relate to? When David did wrong, when David failed, what God used in relationship to his mistake to teach him a lesson and to get him back on track was he said, there was a shepherd. In fact, there were two. One shepherd had lots of sheep. The other one just had one sheep. And the one that had lots of sheep went and took the sheep from the one who just had the one. And he killed him. And he took his sheep. And David became angry. He became upset. He said, we need to, we, we need to get a hold of this guy. He said, we need to take care of this guy. He said, who is he? Where is he? And the prophet said, David, you're the one. Uriah was a faithful man. And you took his only wife. And you had many. God used his past experience to minister to him in a kingly position. That's how he related to him. Everything we relate to and our promise will always be something we experience in the process. No matter where you're at, it's just an education. It's an education. Be a good student. Learn something new every day. Do something that will make a difference. Let's look at the next one. Let's look at the next one. How about this guy? How about this guy? Right here. What was, what was his biggest attribute? The Apostle Paul. What was the Apostle Paul? What was he when it comes to the influence in the church? He, he was ultimately, here's what Paul was. Paul was a, he called himself a master builder. Paul said he was a master builder. Isn't it funny how Paul, while he was an apostle, at the same time, he was a tent maker, a tent builder. Now, back in those days, even the tabernacle was made from tents. In Moses' time, but Paul was very educated. Paul was so educated, he said that he was a Pharisee in the law. Concerning his religion, he was a Pharisee. He said that he was, he was diehard when it came to his, his nation and his religion. When it comes to being a student, he was a good student, and he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. So Paul was a teacher, and teachers, how many teachers do we have in the place here this morning? Teachers, you are made to build. Teachers are builders because they educate and they edify and they give information and knowledge and wisdom that would help somebody in their life to apply it in their life so they can build strong lives. Teachers are important in this world. Everything that you are is because of a teacher. You had a mother who taught you really well. You had a father who taught you really well. You had a boss. You had a mentor that teaches you very well. Paul was a teacher more than anything else. Read his writings. Read his writings. But look, out of all the apostles, 
He was educated more than all of them, most of them in the theology, in theology. So when he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, he was educated and he knew the scriptures. So when God would speak to him, he would have to reference and use the information he already had. Therefore, he said he was a master builder. He could build up. He could edify. He could establish. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter what you do. You are there for a reason, and God wants to use you, and God wants to anoint you where you're at in the morning when you wake up, in the morning before your feet hit the ground, let a thank you, Jesus, come out of your lips. Before you walk out of your room, kneel beside your bed. If you got to pray in the shower, pray in the shower. I don't want to get that maybe TMI, but anyhow, take Jesus to work and don't put them in your lunchbox, put them in your heart and apply it to whatever you do. And whatever you do, do with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and God is going to bless you. And God is going to bless you. Now, here's the last one, and I want to focus on this, and I'm done. Here's the last one. It's you. It's you. And here's what we have to figure out. This is what we have to figure out. I'm going to go back and put this. Why? Why? For our OCD people. I just gave you a bad day today. Why? <laughs> That's messing you up, isn't it? <laughs> why? Figure out the why. Think about this. I'm going to teach you how to find out the why. We know what, but why? The job is the what. The, the, the task is the what. The assignment is the what. But why? Are you an administrator? Are you a secretary? Then God wants to hone those skills and anoint you in those skills. So when you do step into the house of God, also you can apply it. Everything ultimately transfers into God's kingdom. God brings you full circle because God wants to use that where you're at to educate you to make a contribution to the kingdom of God. If you are a mentor to other people out there, then you know what? Take some of our brand new people and learn how to be a mentor to somebody who needs to know how to live for Christ. If God has blessed you as a business person and you are a king in God's kingdom, then God made you to be a major contributor to the financial status of the church. Not so Pastor Bobby can go out and buy the latest suit. <laughs> Look, I wear tennis shoes, man. He didn't cause, he's not, you know, this is not for, you know what, can I tell you why I dress the way I do? Do I embarrass you by not wearing a suit? I used to wear suits all the time when we first got saved and went to church. Everybody wore suits and ties. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you have one on today and I'm overlooking you, I'm not picking on you, wear suits. I love the fact that the rows dress up the way they do when they come to church. Yeah, I'm pointing you out. They look good. That's who they are. They're being themselves. Be yourself. If that's your style, then go for it. Knock it out. But when I was growing up, and as a Christian, I could not afford suits. So I had to go find them at the thrift store. And if I didn't wear a suit going to church, everybody looked at me like, I just couldn't afford it. It was just too much. And if you didn't wear a suit and tie to church and you were an oddball and you were backslid, you remember that word backslid? <laughs> they call it a backslidden heifer. But anyhow, <laughs> you fall on their back, you can never get up anyways. 
No pun intended, I'm just saying. When we started the church, I was wondering, what do we do? How do we do this? What direction do we go? And the Lord spoke to me, and he told me, he said, I'm more concerned about the attitude you have on you when you come to church. I'm more concerned about the spirit you have on you when you come to church. Modesty in all things. Being modest. I'm not going to go through a, clo- a, a, a lesson on, you know, I wasn't going to say a, a reference to show, but that wouldn't be appropriate. But I'm not going to show you how to dress. But there's other things that really matter. So when I come to do my job, my job is to show you a good spirit, a great attitude, not putting down everybody, not talking about other pastors, not trying to, you know, make myself look good. This is not about us. It's all about him. It's all about loving people. It's about loving people. It's about, it's about becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to show up in shorts. I'm not going to show up in chanclas. I'm not going to show up in, you know, during service at least. I, you may find me outside of church office hours or whatever, or maybe church hours at times, you know, whatever, but I'm a laid-back guy. I just, I'm a laid-back guy. You'll see me at Lowe's with chanclas on. I just, sorry, I can't help it. I just like to feel comfortable. But here's what I do know. When I come to the house of God, I'm here to do a job. I'm on assignment, and I want to make sure I do the best job I can do because I work for him. I don't work for the people. I love you all. I thank you for being here, but I have a boss who told me i got to give an account to everything and everybody I'm teaching and who I'm leading in the direction that we're going because there's some things that are greater. There's some things that matter more. Listen, in conclusion, I tell you this. In conclusion... When you know you work for God, then you can start receiving the blessings of God because your heart shifts and your heart changes. And I'm going to say this to somebody who feels a call to ministry. God will never you never call you. I'm going to give, here's a word. If you feel called to ministry, I want you to write this down. God will never put you in charge of his business if you're not taking care of the business of somebody else you're working for. Let me try to say it another way. God will never give you your own business or your own ministry if you're not a good servant in the ministry or the business you're at right now. He won't. It's like the concept. It's like this concept. Lord, just let me win the lotto, God. Just let me win. Let me have, if I had a million dollars, Lord, you know I'll give it. I'll bless the church. I will bless the church, God, if you bless me. You know anybody like that? You ever, you ever run to your relatives and they got that lotto? That some of you think I play the lot. I don't play the lot. I'm just telling you. There's a lot of things I don't do. If I told you all the things I don't do, you'd think I'm gonna, I should have a little dot right here and all black. And We're people just like you. But we don't have hidden agendas or hidden things, secret sins that we're not going to embarrass you. We live the life. We try to do our very best to live the life. But, but I'm, I'm just telling you this. I'm just saying to you that you ever met anybody in your life, you ever met that relative that had that scratch off and they're going, you know, and they see you and they know that you're a believer and they think, okay, I don't know if he thinks this is okay or not. Then they make a comment like, well, you know, if I'm going to win, I just want to bless the church. That ain't going to happen. If you can't bless God with a tithe of $100, God's not going to bless you so you can tithe on a million dollars. That's a lot of money. You'll handle, you'll handle the both the same. You'll handle the both the same. That's why, like Caleb said, start now. Put it into your budget. Work and start off where you're at. Start off at 5% if you have to. Work your way up. Wherever you're at, start there. Then let God grow you into that, okay? That's what we believe. Start where you're at. Do what you can. But remember, that's not your money. It belongs to God. It's not yours. It's his. You're just a manager of it. You're just a manager. You're just a manager. Do you love the Lord this Sunday morning? Come on. Do you want to be unbalanced in your life? Come on. Stand to your feet. We want our elders to come up. If you need prayer, we want you to come up and get prayed for. You need a healing in your body. You need a miracle in your life. You need someone to agree with you. 
Come on up here, our elders and our prayer partners. Come on up. Come on up. If you're here in this building, if it's your first time here and you need to give your life to Jesus, I want you to bow your head if everyone does it and close your eyes all together. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads and let's pray this prayer. If this is you, then pray this with us. Maybe you have been out. Maybe you've come to church and you've said to yourself, I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to do it God's way. Now's your moment to surrender to Jesus. So if we, as we pray together, no one's looking. As we all pray together, surrender to him. Just pray this prayer. Are you ready, everybody? Lord Jesus, we pray today. Receive me, God. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me for my transgressions. Lord Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I know you died for me. I need your grace to live this life. Be the Lord of my life. Wash away my sins. And I will do what you ask me. Let that day begin now. In Jesus' name, amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.